Welcome to the Leadership Window podcast with Dr. Patrick Jinks. Each week through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and a professional speaker. And now, here's Dr. Patrick Jinks. I don't know what it feels like where you are, but it feels like fall in Columbia, South Carolina. And I'm loving it. Now, I'm not going to like it when it gets to feeling like winter, but boy, I love the fall weather. Happy October, everyone. Happy episode 75. We're celebrating this week our two-year anniversary of this show, the Leadership Window Podcast. So thanks for making it work. Uh, this show, by the way, is a Feedspot Top 10 podcast. If you're not familiar with Feedspot, let me just brag a little bit about the show because you're the one who makes this happen. Feedspot is the world's largest human curated database of blogs and podcasts. And they have tons of employees just absolutely going digging into the interwebs, looking for uh, in every genre, popular blogs, popular podcasts, and they rate these things based on social media following, uh, download rates, um, website credibility, listens and downloads and all those things. I don't know how they calculate it, but they've got an algorithm that has all kinds of things in it. And in the nonprofit leadership space, and again, this is global, uh, at about, I don't know, I want to say around the six month mark when we started this show, we came in at number 13. They found us. We had already developed an audience. We had already put out some amazing, really credible, high-profile guests, and we showed up at number 13. Today, we're at number six on Feedspot's top 20 podcasts in nonprofit leadership, and there's some uh, really good ones on there. So if you go to our site at jinxperspective.com, click on podcast, and at the top of the page there, there's a link to the Feedspot top 20 list. And if you're interested in other podcasts on nonprofit leadership, all done a little bit differently and with slightly different formats, you'll find a ton of really good ones there. Joan Gary is on that list. If you're familiar with her, my good friend, Greg Nielsen is on that list. Uh, just some really great shows and some great content. If you really love podcasts and you want to stay in this genre. So anyway, that's where we are in two years and it's just been fantastic. And I've learned so much from all of the amazing guests that we've had on. And we've got more coming. This one is a little bit different. This one is just me. I've got a couple of things that have come up recently in my coaching world that I just wanted to share with you and really pose a couple of questions for you and try to see if I can stay in coach mode a little bit. For this episode. So this will be one of our shorter episodes. We've been running long lately. We've gone well over an hour with a number of our recent guests. And that's just because, you know, it's great. We don't want to stop. It's been fantastic conversation. So go back and check those out. Today, I really want to focus on a couple of things. Um, and I, the title of this show is C-Suites and Strategic Planning. And we mean that, I mean that separately. So we're not talking about C-suite's role in strategic planning necessarily. This is about two different topics that I just want to cover because again, they've come up recently in some of the work that I've done with some extraordinary organizations. And the first one is around the C-suite. And I've asked a question of a couple of C-suites lately 
that um, were really eye-opening for them and really got them to think a little bit deeper. And they did a fantastic job of thinking deeper on these questions. But here's the question. And by the way, C-suite, you might not like the phrase. Um, I'm saying it only because it's pretty universally understood to be the senior team on uh, a staff. And yes, nonprofits have C-suites. Not all of them, particularly a lot of the small ones don't have anything close to what they would call a C-suite. But the medium to large nonprofits have some version of a C-suite. They call it the senior leadership team or the executive leadership team or whatever that highest level of leadership is. That's what we're talking about when we say C-suite. So in your organization, whoever that is, it's usually three, four, five people. Um, sometimes it's a little more than that. Generally, that's about the size of most nonprofits C-suites. And these are, you know, the vice presidents or the chief, whatever, chief financial officer, chief development officer, chief marketing officer, et cetera, or vice president of development, vice president of programming. Again, the titles don't matter. What matters is you, you likely have some version of this in your organization, that set of top director, strategic level leaders. Here's the question that I have asked recently as I am coaching a couple of those C-suites in organizations. And the question is this, you know your role as the chief financial officer, but what is your role as a member of the C-suite? It's a dual role. You are not only responsible and um, looked at as the chief steward for the financial health and behavior and practice of the organization. You're also a member of this senior leadership team or this C-suite or this executive leadership staff. And that's a slightly different role. So think about it. Maybe you're, maybe you're the CEO and you haven't really thought through this yourself, or maybe you are one of these members of a C-suite. What is your role outside the function? What does it mean to be a member of the C-suite? And I'm actually not going to answer this for you on this show, but I'm going to ask you uh, a question that I asked a couple of the CEOs that I've been working with lately who came up with some amazing responses to this. So I know you will. If you were the CEO, maybe you are, if not, pretend that you are, and you're the CEO and you have a C-suite, and let's say it's four or five people besides yourself, what do you want or expect out of that team? Aside from, I need each of them to lead their respective departments effectively. Forget about the functional area. Forget that you want your chief development officer to run a fantastic development team that raises lots of money. What do you need from the team as a whole? Think of it as a group rather than a set of individuals. What do you need from that? What do you expect from that? What value can your organization gain from that? And that's a question I'm just going to leave you with on this show. Maybe we'll talk about it later. Maybe I'll have one or more of those uh, CEOs on that I've been talking with about this recently, and we'll get their take on it. But just think about that. What is your role? If you're a member of a C-suite, what is your role as a member of the C-suite? 
not just as the lead in your area of function. Okay, I'll stop there because I know um, uh, you get the point, but a lot of organizations have these some version of a C-suite and haven't really thought this through. And as a result, they're not gaining the full benefit of having a C-suite. It, it's not just individuals with, you know, bigger titles on their business cards and higher paychecks. There's a real value contribution that a team can make as a senior leadership team. Here is the second area that um, has come up lately. And actually, this comes up a lot. And even to the point where I included it in my book on strategic planning four years ago. And it is this question. When is the right time and when is the wrong time to embark on strategic planning? Now, if you've known me long enough, you know that for me, strategic planning is constant. It's always happening. It's not an event. As we say, strategy is not an event. It's a continuum. It's a process. It's a behavior. And, but, but let's just think about the formal process of strategic planning. You bring the board together, you engage a consultant, you go through the whole, you know, maybe you do an environmental scan or some stakeholder discovery, all the things, right? The SWOT analysis, however you've gone about strategic planning. How often do you do that? When do you do it? Why do you do it? And here's why I ask the question. In my book, Strategic Fail, which is now old and I need to write a second edition of it sometime in this next year. Uh, But in the book, I outline about 10 reasons that nonprofit strategic planning fails. And the very first reason is because it's the wrong motivation to move into strategic planning. Example, we're applying for a big grant and they require, as a part of the grant, they require a strategic plan. So we need to quickly pull the board together in the next, you know, 45 to 60 days and hire a a cheap consultant real quick who can come in and do a retreat for us and build a strategic plan because we got to have a document. Otherwise we won't get this grant. That is the wrong, that is a wrong reason to do strategic planning for your organization. And it's not going to be an effective process. Now, that, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't include your strategic plans with your grant applications. That's fine. But that shouldn't be the reason your organization embarks on strategy because usually that makes it rushed and just not very effective. There are other reasons uh, like, well, it's been five years And our strategic plan is expiring. And so it's time to do another one. I get that. Uh, If it's a three-year cycle your organization is on, which I think a lot of them are now. But if it's the more traditional five-year time frame and it's been five years, let's get together and do it again. That's okay. But that alone should not be the reason that we embark on a strategic planning journey. Just that it's the calendar says we're supposed to. And the reason, this, the reason I'm bringing this up now in this episode is I've got a few organizations that I'm working with that I've just been so um, uh, inspired by and impressed with their mindset regarding their strategic planning cycle because I helped them put their strategic plan together three years ago. And they're coming back now and saying, look, we're, we know it's been three years we keep track of our strategic plan on a pretty regular basis. 
I don't know that we need to go through the same sort of process we went through three years ago because, and here's one example, we kind of have the same strategy. We don't see this changing. Uh, We haven't achieved it yet. It's long-term bold strategy that we put together three years ago. And we're not just going to, you know, start from scratch and say, okay, what's our mission? What's our vision? What's our strategy? We're on it. And we've been on it and we've monitored it well and we've adjusted well. We've made course corrections through COVID and whatever. And we do want to check in on it more formally, bring our board together for the full day, maybe even, and just sort of do a a check-in on where we are. But we don't really, we don't really think we need to, to just start a new strategic plan. And I applaud that mindset. Now, if that mindset is there because we don't have the money this year to do strategic planning, or we're just, we got too many things going on. So we're just going to keep on with what we have. Then that's not a good reason. (laughs) I'm not a fan of status quo, but if there's still a lot of movement to make on your existing plan, and maybe you have momentum, you're moving in the right direction. There's a, I picked this up at a United Way conference years ago, and I, I can't remember exactly who said it. I think I remember who it was, but I don't want to say her name because I might be wrong. But she gave us the, um, um, she, I think she was in communications or maybe she had worked in a political campaign. But she said there's a political speech framework that they give incumbent politicians. And it's real simple. If you're the incumbent politician running for re-election, your speech is three things. Good start right direction, more to do. We're off to a good start. We're headed in the right direction, but there's, there's still more to do. We've, we've, um, you did good to elect me, you know, and we've done good things, but we're not done yet and we can keep moving. So it's that balancing act of why do I need to reelect you? You know, the first time you said we were going to do all these things, um, you know, have you done them? Right. Or, uh, you know, yeah, we elected you, but things are still bad. See, this framing gives you, gives the incumbent politician this sort of reason to re-elect me. And how the first election was good because we're off to a good start and we're headed in the right direction. The second election needs to be about more that we can do. Maybe that's not the best analogy, but strategic planning can sometimes be that way. You look back at it and you say, you know, we're off to a good start here. In, in three years, we've really made some great movement. We're headed in the right direction, but there's still more to do. So we're not going to scrap this and start over and just come up with three to five new strategies just because it's been three years and it's time to do this again. So I just want to applaud those organizations with that mindset and I want to challenge you. Now, let's look at the, you know, if you, I get phone calls from people who, who say, yeah, we're looking at doing, you know, strategic planning, maybe the first of the year. And I ask the question, when's the last time you did strategic planning? And their answer often is, I don't think we've ever done really a real strategic plan. Now, if that's the case, the time is now <laughs> for a strategic plan. I mean, these are organizations, some of them have been around for decades and they probably some time ago before the current leadership had memory or recollection, they probably did some form of strategic planning, but you know, I've talked with CEOs who have been there 10, 20 years who have said, yeah, we've never really operated off of a strategic plan. Well, in that case, I would highly encourage you to 
build one, but there is a time to do it and a time not to do it. And you want to do it again for the right reasons and at the right time. And, uh, I'm a big fan of doing what I call bridge plans. So we, we kind of think we need a new strategic planning process and a set of new strategies to pursue, but now's just not good time. We've got this going on, that going on. And so, um, but we don't want to just like ignore it. So they'll build what's what I call again, the bridge plan. Let's build a bridge between the current plan and the next plan so that at least we're operating with intention. We have actionable, meaningful behaviors articulated on the horizon right in front of us that we can see and keep everybody together on. But that was really it. So here's my question for you. Uh, what strategy is your organization operating on? What strategy is your organization operating on? Do you have a strategic plan that centers your work that everybody's work is aligned to and that you believe and your board believes is driving you toward mission accomplishment. What is that that you're working off of? That's question one. And if you went, oh my gosh, <clears throat> we're working off some old stale thing that we haven't even touched in six years. Well, it might be time for you to sit down and think about that. If your answer is, oh, we're rocking and rolling on a plan that we did three years ago. We're nowhere near done with it, but it is absolutely still the right strategy. COVID held us up. So now we're going to give it another year or two to see if we can get traction. That's fine. Whatever your answer is, what is that? And that question, of course, can lead to lots of other questions. Is everyone in your organization operating on that plan in some way? Do your managers at the mid or lower levels understand where their work fits on the strategy map? Do they understand that some of the smallest tasks that they're completing and that their teams are charged with are driving them toward something in the strategic plan that has greater depth and meaning than just that work alone? That's what makes people feel connected. One, I tell you, one of the things I hear the most in the organizations I work with is how thrilled the staff is to be a part of the strategic planning process. And I mean a large portion of the staff, if not all of them, because I hear a lot of people say we've never, you know, they always just hand us the strategic plan. If anything, we, we go to the board meeting and we hear a presentation on it, but we weren't a part of it. You know, they did that in a, you know, in the executive to the C-suite did that, right? Um, the organizations, they said, man, we're really glad to be a part of this. First of all, we've learned a lot about our organization that we assumed we knew, but we didn't. Second, we now understand why the priorities in our area are what they are. And we've even been given the freedom to challenge them and shape them. So Anyway, that's it. Those are just a couple of things that have come up recently that, that I think relate to all of us. And that is the leadership teams in our organizations. What are their, what are their purpose and their function as a team? And secondly, when is it right for you to be thinking, we need a strategic plan. Like we need to really get down and figure out what our next iteration of this organization is, or where we're headed in terms of transformation. What is it we're trying to change? Is our current strategy getting us there? If not, what does it need to be? 
those questions have to be asked on a pretty regular basis. And uh, I just want to encourage you to ask them. And that's it. I told you it was going to be a short episode. That's the Jinx Perspective for this week. Join us in a couple of weeks. Don't forget our YouTube channel. Just go to our website, jinxperspective.com, and click on the YouTube link. And every other week when we're not airing the podcast, we're airing about five-minute episodes of coaching videos on all kinds of topics and things. And every once in a while, we have cool giveaways and things. So go to the YouTube channel, check that out. Make sure you subscribe to it when you get there. That way you'll make sure you get all the notifications when new episodes drop and uh, don't, don't miss anything. Folks, I appreciate what you're doing on a daily basis. Thanks for being out there changing the world. Lead on. 